Amen. Glory, hallelujah, for the all-time undisputed, incorruptible champion of love. Thank God for today and for those of you who have gathered this evening to worship and give glory and honor to the Most High God, the one who created us in his image and blew into us the breath of life and gave us power by the Holy Spirit, God Almighty himself. I give honor to the Blessed Trinity on this Saturday afternoon for some and evening for others. I join Elder Carolyn in welcoming you and thanking you for your presence here today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged during this service. I hope that you'll have some questions answered and that you'll be have your courage in, in um, heightened, heightened, and that you'll become more fearless as you have to face the onslaughts of the enemy. It is with great delight that I say thank you to the ministry team and to our advisors this afternoon. During this Clergy Appreciation Month, it is especially important that we say thank you, much obliged, gracias, and mercy beku for all the time that is spent leading us in worship, helping us to carry out the business of the church, leading us in invitation to discipleship, managing the Zoom call, the talk show, uh, transfers of our services, whatever act of service you give to Refuge from the Storm Church, it is my pleasure to say this evening, thank you. To Elder Carolyn, Minister Rochelle, Pastors Terrence and Pamela Wilson, Reverend Myra Buchanan, Reverend Dr. Linda Johnson, Dr. Carmen Cruz, and Reverend David Williams Jr. Thanks to each of you for the most significant roles that you play in the fruitful service of this ministry. Now I want to personally thank each of you for the part you play in causing these services to take place each week. Sister Cassandra, thank you for such warm words. They are encouraging and I surely appreciate each one of them. And hearing you sing, I tell you, I'm trying to remember the man's name, Arvel Nella. His last name, I think, starts with an N. His first name may start with an N. But every time I hear Cassandra sing, she reminds me of this man. He has a, a very, very unique sound that's very engaging. And that's what I hear when Sister Cassandra sings. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us today. Please be advised that the Zoom moderator is responsible for recording this service, and he is instructed to mute and unmute as necessary to maintain the reverence of the service. We aren't picking on anyone. We aren't trying to be unhospitable. Uh, We're just trying to make sure that the service can flow uh, in a, a, a respectful way to, to, to the Lord. I'm going to just move on down to our scripture for this afternoon. Um, I'll be coming from the book of Ephesians again. I've just kind of fell in love with Ephesians or I'm just directed there over and over because God has a lot to say 
to us from that book. It's only six chapters long. And so I can encourage you again today to spend some time reading the whole thing and you'll get a good, a good grasp of the purpose of the church, who you are in Christ Jesus, what Jesus has done for us as uh members of the family and citizens of the kingdom of God and how to stand in our family as well as against the enemy. And so it reads, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come this afternoon giving you glory and praise and honor, Father, because of who you are. The songwriter penned the words, because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, Lord, we lift our hands to you. Lord, we worship you because of who you are. And as we come before you, Father God, in this most spiritual way, we thank you, God, that you have gone before us to teach us and to show us how to war according to the spirit. Father God, the invitation to humanity is that we fight with guns and knives and words even, Lord. But you tell us a better way. You show us, Father God, how to war in the spirit so that we can get spiritual help from the angels and spiritual guidance from the Holy Spirit. And we give you thanks for that this day, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'll open our eyes, Father, flood our, our, our hearts with light so that we will know how to war according to this power that you have given us in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. One word gives the title of the message today, and that word is wrestling. Just simply, and I, I listen for something else to extend it with and tried to come up with something else to extend it with, but nothing else came but wrestling. I was reading my devotional earlier this week when my eyes fell on one word of the scripture for today. It was the word wrestle. Wrestle is defined as arm to arm or face to face combat. The word wrestle in biblical terms mean a spiritual battle involving a struggle against angelic powers. Except in the case of Jacob and Esau who wrestled in their mother's womb all other scenes that were described in scripture that I found anyway were encounters of either humans with spiritual beings or spiritual beings, spiritual battles between angels and demons. 
Here's the story of these two brothers tell us that there was conflict between Jacob and Esau before their life began on earth. I went back over the events of wrestling that I remembered from childhood. Uh, I've shared before, my grandfather loved to watch wrestling every Saturday night. It came on and everyone gathered around the television set. We had a black and white television set. I'm dating myself, but y'all just laughed. And everyone had to be quiet while my granddad got all involved in the wrestling. There were favorite wrestlers. And then there were the ones who were considered as dirty wrestlers and nobody liked them. They always got the booze. You could always expect the dirty ones to do something unethical and break the rules. Of course, there were the women wrestlers. We didn't watch very much of that. And there weren't a lot of, of uh, times that they were actually given the, the ring. However, it did happen from time to time. Now, I don't recall ever seeing boys fighting, fist fighting, but they would surely wrestle around the house and as a form of playing as they acted out the scenes from weekly television shows. And it would be kind of comical sometimes. Immediately my mind though, as I read the devotional last this week, went to the various scriptures that deal with wrestling. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians uh, in chapter six, as I've read this afternoon, identifies who we wrestle with in spiritual warfare. And we've gone through uh, spiritual warfare. I know we, we spent time separating and dissecting the scriptures from Ephesians chapter six during our uh, study of the chronological Bible. Then uh, Sister Cheryl Miller Harvey did a specific teaching on spiritual warfare. So we've had some pretty good, and, and in our book with Ken Boa uh, on spiritual formation, there was a section on spiritual warfare. So over and over and over, there are times that we've been brought face to face with what is considered to be arming the Christian family of God with God's spiritual way of doing warfare. Then Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with a man and, and he wasn't called God except in the headings of the section in the Bibles. It says Jacob wrestles with God. But in the scripture, and I, I looked through at least 15 scripture this afternoon from different versions. They all say that Jacob was wrestling with a man. Some capitalizes the name, the a man, and declared that he would not let go. Jacob declared that he wouldn't let go of that man, that angel, until he blessed him. Though God is identified as the man with whom Jacob wrestles, there was a physical encounter nonetheless. And that would have been a, a, a human with a, an angelic or a spiritual being. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus from a Roman jail. Ephesus was one of the largest cities in ancient Rome, and like the United States today, it attracted people from many different countries who brought with them their religious beliefs as well as the culture of their birth. I can't tell you how, how, how weird I feel when I walk into a house and see a Buddha statue 
or some of the other religious beliefs displayed that are different from my own. There were about 50 gods and goddesses that were being worshipped in Ephesus, each with their rituals and much dealing with demons and spirits. The Gentiles were coming to Christianity through faith in Jesus, but was kept in confusion about separating the old life from their new life in Christ. Both Christian Jews and Gentiles were fearful of the spiritual power from the spiritual world of these pagans that were being worshipped by these other cultures. Paul writes this short letter to lay out God's plan for the church and how they can live free from the religious and cultural beliefs of those who were not following Jesus Christ. The assurance of the Ephesians to the Ephesians become a word of encouragement to us today as the many differences of our belief systems come to us from those who are now living in America and, the, and these differences become so blatantly obvious. We used to could ride through these United States from point to point, south to north, east to west, and never see a, a, a Muslim temple. We would never see um, a, a Hindu temple or a place where they gather. We'd never hear about a satanic temple in the, in, in the early days. And now all of that's present, not just their beliefs, and it's not just in their homes, but they are buying property and erecting edifices to their pagan gods. Christ still has victory, though, over all of them. Christ has given us the power to withstand the evils of this world as we follow his command. He is, after all, the commander in chief of both heaven and earth. Pastor Adrian Rogers once said that the church is not a cruise ship, but a battleship. Anyone that's been on a cruise, you'll know what you'll find, right? You're going to find the various levels and various activity on the various levels. Uh, as you walk through one section, you may find a ballroom. Another section, you may find a uh what do they call it? I, I want to just call it a gambling hall, <laughs> a casino. You might find the casino up near the top deck. You're going to find more food than you know what to do with. In a certain other part of the cruise ship, you're going to find the dining hall where you'll have your, your uh, formal dinners each night. And yet, when we go into the church, when we think of who you are, the church, we become a battleship. We become a place of prayer. We become a place where warfare is carried out. We become a place of worship to invoke the presence of God because we can't live without him. So we, the church, represent a battleship to the world. And then... I'm sorry, y'all, I uh, was being distressed or disturbed there.
just being in the church of Jesus Christ assures us that we will be in a battle until we leave this earth. In this war, says Martin Lloyd-Jones, there is no discharge. Now think about that. I, I seriously want you to think about that, especially for those of you who have been in military service or if you know someone who is in military service. There, You can't be just discharged. You can't wake up one morning and decide, I don't want to be in the military anymore. Has that ever happened to you? Has it happened to anyone that you know? Have you known anyone that's ever gone AWOL? Because there are some people in the church today who are considered to be AWOL soldiers. They just don't want to enter any battles. There are those who say they just want to be um, bench members. I said that one time myself and they laughed at me. <laughs> I just want to be a bench member. That meant I was going to just go to church. I was going to sit there and enjoy the service. And I was going home. I didn't want to engage in any of the outreach ministries. I didn't want to have anything to do with ministering to the people in the church. I just want to be in the church. But that means then that I'm on the sidelines and not in the war of the church. Jones went on to say, until you leave this world, your place in the battle must be filled. That means that if you aren't standing up, holding up your part of the bloodstained banner, your place has to be filled. The devil will not cease to assault or attack just because someone's missing in action. The war goes on. If you don't believe me, ask the people in, uh, in uh, Gaza right now. Go over to the Ukraine where Russia has been fighting them for over a year. The war goes on no matter who's present, no matter who's absent, and no matter who's praying. The devil doesn't care if we are afraid. That's the idea, to make you afraid. Demons feed on fear. Joyce Myers wrote a book entitled Do It Afraid. She said the devil is always going to give you an opportunity and a reason to back down, to sit down and to quit. And fear will usually be your first excuse. So she came up with the words, do it afraid, wrote a book about it, tells you how to keep going, even in times of fear. One way to always defeat the devil is through obedience to God. We are in a truth struggle, not a power struggle. It's not ever known, known at, it's if not Now, then when will we face these battles? Whether you're ready for it or not, every single day that we live, we, we have a battle when we get up. And the important thing, and, and really kind of funny, but such a compassionate God that we serve, he gives us new mercies before we get out of bed so that even if we decide we can't handle the, the, the battle and we struggle and if we walk away that day, there's mercy for that. If we get out of bed and find a greater war going on that we intended to engage in today and go back to bed, there's mercy for that. If you get in the middle of the struggle and decide, oh, I just don't want to deal with this. There's mercy for that. 
but we must decide to stand for the truth of the word of God. Remember, whether you want to fight or not, the devil does not stop his attack. Paul's last exhortation to the church at Ephesus was on the reality of spiritual warfare and the arm of God. In fact, Paul felt the need to address the presence of demons and spirits in the Ephesian region because it was real. Do you think demons and spirits are not real in America? I can assure you that they are. However, it was clear through the words of Paul that we as children of the light must not participate in the deeds of darkness. Because of the very location of Ephesus, the Jews and converted Gentiles needed to know that God was not unaware of the hierarchy of demonic power. In fact, their very presence encouraged an encounter, a wrestling, if you will, not hand to hand, but in the spirit. These battles take place. Even for spiritual battles, there is armor the helmet of salvation for the Christian, the breastplate of righteousness purchased by Jesus himself, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and the shield of faith. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and loins girt about with truth. And yet Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. These are levels of demons or the presence of demonic activity. Their primary role is to kill, injure, worry, destroy, vex, harass, irritate, confuse, frustrate, and bother you and I. They come after us because God kicked their leader out of heaven. Satan's army has a goal of causing as much damage to humans as God will allow. We can attest to that. Here we will find fallen angels at work with humans who have submitted to Satan and to the satanic agenda. I was told that they are calling God to a showdown. Wonder why they're fighting here on earth, us, instead of going up to heaven and fighting God and the angels. Then there are the rulers of the darkness of this age. And they, they consist of those who are spiritual foes, forces in the heavenlies or cosmic powers. Paul spoke of the God of this age, blind in the minds, so that people would not see the light that shines in the face of Jesus. A blinded mind is a darkened mind. Hypnosis blinds the mind. We know that humans are now using the airways. Representative Dennis Kucinich wrote a bill called the Space Preservation Act, asking Congress to ban the use of space-based weapons that could be used for mind control and other nefarious purposes. These weapons are developed and shared worldwide. In fact, Dr. James Giordano made a very informative presentation to the Naval War College about the brain being the battlefield of the future. Who thought of that? Why do they want to war against the brain? Whose brain do they want to capture? And why do they practice on us? Darkness has more than one reference. Darkness can re be referred to as ignorance, 
misery, or sin. Here we can think of those who refuse to believe that mankind is being used by Satan's to a uh, to advance Satan's agenda in the world. And they're using our tax dollars to develop silent weapons for a secret war and to hold secret wars. Secret weapons for a silent war. Now, ignorance of God is darkness also. I told you there was more than one reference for darkness. Ignorance of God is also walking in darkness. Puritan William Gurnell, in his book, The Christian in Complete Armor, he wrote ignorance above other sins enslaves a soul to Satan. And that, so you can read that a different way and say that ignorance of God or darkness brought by those who do not know God above other sins enslaves the soul to Satan. First, ignorance opens the door for the enemy to enter in with his troops of lust. Where the watch is blind, the city is soon taken. Second, it locks up in the soul and the soul is in it. The soul being the mind, the will, and the emotions. Such a one lies in Satan's inner dungeon where no lights of conviction comes and darkness just continues to creep in to the soul. Third, it shuts out the means of recovery. That means it distances itself from friends and ministers and even Christ himself can be ignored or put out. And yet we can be restored. We can be rescued when the light of God comes in. Darkness is life without God. So the ignorance is also darkness because ignorance thinks that they can live without God. But then darkness is life without God. The word tells us in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the men and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Notice how many times the word light was spoken in John 1, 4. And not only that, but then we're told that the darkness could not comprehend the light. And so where God is, there is light, and the darkness cannot put him out. If you don't believe that God is light, let Jesus come and get the church. Just imagine that right now. What if Jesus came and the church left the earth? You can be assured there's going to be a lot of darkness because God said he's the light and his light is going to light the city. So who's going to be lighting the earth? All will know what darkness is and only those in heaven where God is will have light. Let's not forget that God told Jeremiah that as long as the sun, moon, and stars are in their place doing their job, that means that he is still in covenant with them. The job of the sun, the moon, and the stars is what? To light up the darkness.
And if God can't forget his covenant with these elements of the cosmos, his promise to us is he cannot forget that he's in covenant with us. He knows we're down here. He knows there's a war going on. He knows we're constantly having to wrestle with these forces and he's constantly sending us assistance. And then lastly, Paul said that we could, they, the church at Ephesus was going to run into spiritual wickedness in high places. At this point, all we know is that they exist. There are wicked people who subscribe to the power of Satan and deals are made over the blood of the children and of the saints. If you don't believe me, visit Wall Street or Bahamian Grove, some of the Masonic temples or Satanic temples that have their homes in these United States. The point is, there is an all-out march on the values of Christians. They're offering you everything across the television. No matter what time of the day, there used to be certain shows that were were held off until prime time, which was after seven, because the children were getting their homework and getting ready to go to bed. There was yet another set of, of television shows that came on after 10 p.m. when for sure the children would be in bed. Now you can get junk at six in the morning, at nine in the morning, all day long. You can see women's bodies, men's bodies, men kissing, women kissing, anything and everything can be seen to influence our children. If you don't believe me, visit. I had that already said. The point is that there is an all out march against the values of Christians. This is seen as after school Satan clubs. I heard about that y'all last week. They are now establishing public schools or being established in public schools. When prayer and Bible studies have been opposed and actually ejected from public schools. Transgender and same-sex ideals further the agenda of Planned Parenthood to reduce the population of God's creation. It wasn't the blue-collar worker who thought of these blatant means to oppose God. I can assure you of that. The problem is that we can no longer tell who is who. I live in the South. Actually, my home is 30 miles from the home of the Ku Klux Klan at least where it originated. We could not then nor now look at anyone and tell if they were a member of the Klan. They did not bring or wear their white robes to church on Sunday. I never saw a member with their pointed hat on walking through an office building. They never stood in the grocery store line. And yet to ignore that a war is going on is the same as walking out on the church in the heat of battle. How do you recognize the enemy when they all look alike? The fact that there is a program called War on Terror means that terrorists are in the area. The idea is that the military would train soldiers to protect us from terrorists. They neglected to tell us that the terrorists would be allowed to practice on us. They live near us, drive cars like us, may go to church with us, but they practice the crafts of the devil against us. We need to know how to survive in this world today, just like the church at Ephesus did during Paul's day. The light is a necessary aid, and by their fruit, you shall know them.
Paul wrestled with Jesus over his thorn in the flesh. In fact, Paul was wrestling with house arrest in Rome when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians and the other five, four chapters that's called the Pauline epistles. It was Paul's stance on the truth of the word of God and Jesus Christ that caused Paul to constantly be at war against the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul was constantly bringing the light of the truth to areas who walked in and lived in darkness. And those in power did not want to lose their following. That is not anything different from where we are today. The devil never wants to lose any, anyone. In fact, he always wants to gain. He wants to take who those who belong to God, enticing us in one way or another, even by hypnosis. Then we found Jacob, as I, as I mentioned at the early part of the, of the message, he wrestled with God, who was also called a man, according to those scriptures that I had shared with you earlier, at a place called Penuel, which means face of God, having ran away from his brother after stealing his birthright and the blessing, Jacob gets tricked himself into marrying two sisters by his own uncle, his mother's brother. Jacob works 14 years to get both of them and leaves that place rich because God refused not to bless him. However, on the way home, some of Jacob's own faith began to fail him and he sent the others ahead while he stayed the night at Peniel. There he met the man who actually came to change Jacob's destiny. He changed Jacob's identity. He actually changed his name. The wrestle ended with Jacob having a limp and a name change that made him a father of many nations, just like the promise that was given to his grandfather, Abraham. And there was a battle in the heavenlies when Daniel was praying for an answer from God. When the archangel Gabriel finally got to him, Daniel was told that God had sent the answer as soon as he prayed. It came from Michael, but Gabriel had to come and help because the Prince of Persia, that territorial demon, had put up a real struggle and Michael needed help getting the word through. You know, the message was important because Gabriel was assigned with heralding the announcement to the Virgin Mary that she was to bear a child, of, a child for God. And then when it came time to send that message to Daniel, God sent that same angel to give aid and assistance. But the battle was won and the message got to the earth. And then Jesus wrestled with God in the garden of Gethsemane. The word tells us that three times Jesus prayed, asking God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Have you ever depended on prayer partners to pray you through your battles? Were they able to stay awake until the victory was secured or did they fall out and away before the end came? Jesus did not want the burden that he was facing. So Jesus used the one weapon of war that the apostle Paul gave to the church at Ephesus and all Christians. Jesus prayed and he prayed and he prayed. 
Paul said that the church has to learn to pray with all manner of prayers. But it was because Jesus prayed that he was able to be sung of as the champion of love. I really appreciated the words to the song that was sung by Alvin Slaughter at the beginning of the message because he was introducing Jesus as if he was a man in the ring. He was in the ring. In fact, he was the, in the center of a ring of soldiers who below the cross played in a crap game for his role. He was on a ring of darkness because when God turned away, as Jesus began to gather the sin of the world upon him, the light also went away. And Jesus was in a sin, in a circle of despair. Jesus had to ask his father why he had forsaken him. And despair gave way to victory as Jesus said, it is finished. It was finished not just for him, but for us. And it's remained finished. The victory over sin and Satan is what's remained finished. But also the release of the Holy Spirit came through the resurrection and the ascension that we might be able to stand up in the battles that, that Jesus knew we were going to have to go through. He told the disciples as he was preparing them for his, for his exit from the earth, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And so as we talk about wrestling, we know that every problem, every trial, every tribulation, every circumstance, and every, situ every situation has been won by Jesus Christ. He's wrestled through every arm of the adversary, every way that he would get us down and keep us down, every time that he would come at us and try and hold us back from Advancing in the kingdom of light, Jesus has already gone through the darkness, shining his light on our behalf, that we too can follow in his footsteps. And so when we think about Jesus, as we think about the, the idea of wrestling and what Jesus had to wrestle through to get victory for us once and for all, because our victory is for eternity, we can join in with Alvin Slaughter as he talked about Jesus calling him the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. Amen.